0: everybody, welcome to another edition of the Tiskin Podcast. It is May, we are just a couple days away from the Alamo GT in San Antonio, Texas, uh, followed by the Bay Area Open coming up next weekend in San Francisco. Uh, yours truly will be heading out to both, uh, so this week's episode is going to be a little bit more competitive oriented, but I'm sure we'll, there'll be some things we can uh,
1: Tail into Mike. How are things going on your end? Then? Oh, you know, I'm looking at um, a couple of big old Shlinesh, uh models that I want to paint, but I have not been motivated enough to do it.
0: That's uh, um, was did you do Shalaxy, uh
1: Hildbane or did you do the keeper? I did the regular old keeper because I hate special characters. <laughs> okay, so uh,
0: with that, <laughs> uh, how about we? uh talk about San Antonio. Uh, yeah, since that's coming up, uh it's kind of the next big tournament. We just had in Texas, uh we just had the Dallas Open roughly a month ago. Uh and what was significant about that from a Thousand Sons standpoint is it was won by Matthew ali with his Rubric Marines. Um and uh it sounds like he's from from my chats with him it sounds like he's probably bringing the same army. Uh, yeah have the lists um hidden so we're not going to find out really what everybody's bringing i think in at the earliest possibly tomorrow evening uh or mm-hmm. more more likely it's going to be saturday morning that we'll find out um one of the things that's that's actually gotten really interesting just looking at tournaments in general um the events have gotten very healthy um Dallas went from about like 80 to 90 people last year to a very solid 120 plus uh and they're even at a point where the, you know when we were there at that venue with that many people it was very cramped so i think those guys are actually starting to look at expanding um i know the Houston folks are kind of in the same boat where they're kind of treading water this year but then next year it might be bigger yeah and then uh, with San Antonio it's interesting because they ran out of tickets, really. Uh, they had a very hard cap at like 80 spots that were open. And it sounded like mm-hmm. there were a bunch of folks that uh, were kind of waiting in the fence and, you know, oh, I'll get it when, you know, I'll get around to buying the ticket, that kind of thing. And it sounds like a lot of them kind of got
2: left out and there
0: was no, there's, there's really no traction on the waiting list. Those tickets were, were gobbled up and there's real limited spots there, so. I mean, it's indicative of a very healthy event scene and hopefully we'll see some of these events get a little bit bigger. But if you haven't had a chance to get out to one of these, um, you know, the the bigger these events are, the, the, you know, the more interesting it is and the more likely you are to run into people that are um, probably the more numbers of people that will be around the same skill level that you're at. So even if you're just a beginner and you just kind of want to get out and get a bunch of games in over the weekend you don't have to worry about how much you're going to win or anything like that. You can show up to these things and have a lot of, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Which is the one good thing about the organized scene being so focused now is that you effectively, regardless of where you go, you're going to see a very similar environment to what you're used to. If you play ITC a whole bunch. Um, Whereas uh, in the past um, the tournament could be completely different than what you're used to, depending on where you go and so that's one benefit to sort of the 40k tournament community coming into sort of the modern era
0: yeah there were guys i met uh from louisiana that were at the dallas event last month and some of them were just there kind of scoping out what these itc events are like and uh, kind of how the rules went and a lot of them actually um you know the impressions i got all sounded really positive they like the format they like the fact that you've got basically when you go to a tournament, you have the, the best coast pairings app
2: and yeah.
0: you sign in and, you know, there's not much administration you have to do. It's just basically, okay, who am I playing and what table am I at? And you go there and you have fun for three hours Yeah, or get your butt kicked for three hours. I mean, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> with, uh, with that, Um, last year, this, what's interesting is this will be officially the first anniversary of me going to competitive events. Alamo last year was the first competitive tournament that I actually went to. Um, and it's been really interesting to follow since then, kind of how my list has evolved. Um, last year when I did go to this event, I took, um, three (laughs) Mutilith Vortex Beasts, Aramon, I think a Demon Prince, um, and I think I had a bunch of Rubric Marines, maybe a Rhino in there, um, and then a bunch of Zangors, I think, on top of that. And my event basically um, went really great round one because I played Necrons and actually Mm -hmm. Necrons are a good matchup for Thousand Suns because you can do mortal wounds. You can, you know, they bring the wraiths, you just get rid of their invuln, death hex them and then just run in and wipe them out. um, Yeah. So I was feeling really good after, after round one, like, yeah, this is, this ain't so bad. And then, you know, I proceeded to play McDade round two, which, you know, obviously got my butt kicked and um, then proceeded to play, another very good player from Dallas who, um, uh, had a, had an awesome orc army and he ran over me. Um, and then, and then the game after that, I think, uh, I think I played another guy who was either playing Sonesh or something else, um, along that line. But I think I, I think I lost every single game after my first game and (laughs) it was a brutal shellacking. So anyways, to, to think about then and the fact that, my list from there ended up going much more towards like, I think I ran Magnus and then some other stuff at Dallas. And then I went mostly smite spam behind plague or play bears and that kind of thing, which ironically has kind of made a resurgence with like Jim Vessel um, in a way. I mean, they, those guys all have very similar concepts in their army where they can kind of hide their characters behind lots of really efficient troop choices. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: So it was, uh, it was interesting to kind of, see how that was played a lot better than I did it. Um, <clears throat> and then kind of come in full circle, we went to LVO. I took, you know, obviously I was so far out of the running with Thousand Suns, I took the Alpha Legion army. And now we've come back again, and I've got uh, a different army again. Uh, not completely, but I've got some a splash of some changes here. So um, I've got three of these new Lord Discordants. And... I am taking the three of them in a uh, Battalion, a Chaos Space Marine Battalion, and that way I can also bring three squads of Chaos Space Marines with them, and each squad has a Missile Launcher. And I've gone ahead and I've spent a Command Point to give that detachment the Soulforge Pack upgrade, which mm-hmm. means that by... Um I have the access to the stratagems that are in there, so one of them will be able to advance a charge. Um, another one uh, is going to get the master of Soulforges forges um warlord trait because I can use the field general uh upgrade uh to to get gain that uh second warlord trait yep um and then the great thing is is i'm running these as scourged. So all of these guys are going to be Zinch and being Zinch demons, they're going to get bonuses from what's in the rest of my army. And they'll also be targetable for uh, or targetable by psychic powers and things like that. So it, I think the thing that I like about this is it might not be the strongest units, solo units. Like if you put them in a vacuum and look at it, it's not necessarily the best way to bring that unit just as itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the synergies that I've gotten this list just feel, when it's on the board, it just feels a lot better. Like everything feels like a much more cohesive army. Um, So the Scourged have a beacon trait that allows you when you're shooting uh, to reroll one uh, failed hit for each unit when they shoot. And what's great about that is when I take a missile launcher in each squad of Chaos Space Marines, it means that crack missile um, or, flak missile uh, because i get access to that stratagem for you know the flyer spam Mm -hmm. tends to work pretty good like i can re-roll that failed hit so if i need to move them no big deal i can re-roll it um if they're just going to sit back same again no big deal i can re-roll it um i also get to overwatch on fives with them uh just because they get that little bit of a bonus um so if i do get charged by those guys they're pretty tough i can sit them in cover and they tend to work pretty good um if someone decides to come in 12 inches away from them i get to take a you know a pop shot at them with a squad. Um, So there's all sorts of little things like that. Not necessarily that I'm going to use everything that's there, but, um, you know, I found that those guys are not that bad. When you figure it's 85 points for them, you kind of get a little bit of a fire base with them and they can kind of sit back and support the rest of the army and they don't need to be supported by anything.
1: Yeah, that's uh, definitely a very efficient uh, use of the chaos base brains there, um, which I think that the that change is uh, very solid, and the Lord Discordants as well also benefit from the scores pretty decently as well. Um, <laughs> gave them three bail Flamers, so if anything pops down, they can obviously flame anything that they want to as well.
0: Yeah, the great thing about those bail Flamers is I, I want to say um, in the previous... Was I wrong, but it, in the Chaos Space Marines Codex, the original one, 1.0... Was the bale flamer a heavy weapon? Uh, I believe it was. Which is interesting now. It's kind of this little unwritten thing we've seen happen in 2.0 of the codex here, or maybe they just changed it with the discordance. The bale flamer is now actually assault. And what's oh, great the about flamer. that oh,
1: yeah. no, the, in uh, 1.0, it is an assault weapon. It is assault. Okay.
0: So it wasn't, it was just one of those things where we just kind of figured out uh, that probably was a heavy weapon. But yeah. Um, but being assault, I can advance, but it's an 18-inch range, so I can advance and charge, at least with one of them, uh, but I can also advance and fire with all of them, and I can even advance warp time, advance, and charge if I want to, um, which was uh, something that shocked a couple of people that I played. Um, yeah. I, think they're, I think they're definitely gonna surprise a bunch of people, um, but we're gonna see a lot of them, I have a feeling, at the tournament.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but the way I'm running them is probably. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of other people running scourged, uh, just because I feel like that's it. It has a very limited um, fit where it'll go. I think most of the chaos space marine stuff we'll see is like red corsairs. That makes yeah, sense.
1: I, I think that the the uh, this is pretty much the ideal way to run the scourged chaos space marines at the very least. Um, but I, I do think that the Appeal of the extra command points from uh, playing uh, red corsairs, plus the ability to advance and charge with all of your right uh, uh, units that are characters, or infantry, or hellbrutes, uh, is just going to detract some from the uh, scourged.
0: Yeah, and if you can, if you consider the fact that where my army's sitting right now, we haven't we haven't got any other detachments yet, but we have three battalions. So even though I could have gone red Corsairs here, I have, before I before I even get started with spending on here, I'm starting at 18 command points, which is a mm-hmm. lot of command points. Um, even, even despite the fact that two of these detachments kind of run on command points for the most part. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's not that bad uh, to, to just sacrifice about three command points to then be able to have my chaos space marines really just support themselves they can they can be put wherever they want they don't need to have you know a chaos lord they don't need anything else to sit there and you know have support they get pretty efficient firepower out of just kind of doing their doing their own thing wherever they go yeah so that's the first attachment my second attachment is let's skip down we'll 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 build up or work our way up to the Thousand Suns. Uh, mm-hmm. Save the best for last. But the second attachment is going to be very familiar from my previous army uh, that I took to uh, Dallas. Uh, I've retained the Lord of Change. Uh, he is gonna be my warlord. He's going to have the Impossible Robe and he's going to have the Incorporal Form warlord trait. So he is going to be the the traditional Lord of Change that's really, really tough to kill. Yep. What I've done to enhance this a little bit is now I'm bringing the changeling. So the bloodthirster of corn is gone. He has uh, gone onto the shelf and he's gonna take a time out for a little bit. Uh, the, ch- <laughs> the changeling has come in. Uh, I think the benefit of running the changeling here is that I can essentially deploy him. Uh, well, first of all, the one thing I was always messing up was the fact that his aura range is actually nine inches. It's not six. Yeah, uh, for his feel no pain, which is fantastic, uh, which gives me lots of room for deployment where if I'm not going to go first, he adds a little bit of a, a, a saving grace here to a lot of my stuff to be able to survive that initial blow. Uh, so he helps the he helps the order change. But because my uh, Lord Discordance are zinch, they too are going to get that feel no pain uh, because they are zinch demons. So that works really well and synergizes with them. Um, but I've also just basically kept the three pairs of Brimstone Horrors in there. Um, they they work really good at just doing things where, you know, the opponent doesn't care what they're doing. Uh, they can go and hold an objective. Um, they can, you know, they, they actually, from a scoring standpoint, are some of the most utilitarian units I have in the entire list. Um, I can pretty much just camp them somewhere they they don't stick up very high. They they can be yep. hidden behind walls, hills. Um you can stick them in cover and actually have a five up save against just like mortars, regular mortars, which is not bad. They're still T three, which surprises a lot of people, I guess. Yeah. You know, most people don't think they're still T three. They are T three. Uh so it's just and it's 30 points. So it fills out the rest of the battalion there for me. So it gets mm-hmm. me gets me another five command points. Yeah. And
1: that was working good, so we're not
0: really messing with it.
1: Yeah, plus the thing that people also don't uh, take into consideration is the fact that because none of your demons have guns, as long as you're not trying to charge with them, they are actually surprisingly maneuverable. Yeah, you
0: advance them wherever you want to go, you get a good amount of range out of them. Yep, that's that's very true. And uh, so that brings us finally to the third detachment in the army, which is the core uh, of the army, the Thousand Suns, which makes everything go. Um, we have Aramon, of course. Uh, and we have replaced the Demon Prince with a Sorcerer and Terminator armor. So uh, we for troops, we have uh, two 25-man Zangor squads, and then I have one 15-man Zangor squad. All three have Brayhorns. Um, so the Terminator is kind of the main thing here that's changed. Um, I've picked up a few more Zangors, but not that much. Um, that, I found that the 25-man squads work really well. Uh, they're, they, they have enough bodies that they're tough to remove, especially if you buff them. Um, you can deep strike one big blob for a command point. Um, the other squad can kind of go off or it can work as a, a screening unit. I mean, you, you kind of get some utility there with like big and small, um, how you want to throw them around. You get a lot of options. Mm-hmm. To pick up the third lord discordant this was kind of one of the decisions i made towards the towards the kind of the deadline here i decided to run a third lord discordant in place of the demon prince where the ter- terminator sorcerer was my r- real main thinking there was just the fact that even though the flyer spam is pretty prevalent there's not enough people actually playing it that i think warrants bringing the demon prince in addition to the lord of change because the lord of change can go after the flyers if it's that big of a problem or yeah. and the uh,
1: Lord lord discordance actually are fairly good at the killing the fires as well because they don't care about their penalty to hit that's
0: right and so that kind of makes up for not really having to have something go into combat i've got smites that'll work and i feel like the sorcerer gives a little bit more shooting to the army he's got that inferno Uh, combi bolter Mm -hmm. which is nice so he can kind of sit there and just kind of shoot some stuff up a little bit so so i felt like that plus you get a it's it's a way to get a plus to cast because i'm not taking i'm not taking the warlord trait there with the thousand suns i don't really have a way to take it so there's it kind of gets me a way to get a bonus cast there or bonus to my casting with him Um, so that kind of finishes out the list there Um, that's what we're planning to take Um, I can say that I don't know how it's going to go, really. I think what this is one of those events where we really don't know what's going to show up because we've just gone uh, through the big FAQ and yeah. the chaos stuff. This is the first event in Texas where the new chaos stuff is live. Uh, we also have, I think, some of the assassin stuff will be live, mm-hmm. uh, which might have been live for... for dallas but i can't remember off the top of my head we also didn't see enough people really making use of it that i remember off the top of my head whether it was or not but anyways the the thing i'm interested to see is do we see the lists like with the castellans with the knights do do we see more people just move to like crashed crusaders
1: well, I, I know that locally we've seen people sort of take a step back from the Castellans. However, I think you're still going to see them. Um, just obviously it's a hundred points lighter than uh, it would have been a, a month ago. Uh, but the other thing to point out is that this Dallas tournament is the last sort of ride of the Inari as I mean, in their current San form. yeah Yeah. Sorry, San Antonio. Uh you know that one city that's not awesome like Houston. No, that's right. <laughs> but um we're going to get a lot of hate on that one. Oh, I expect right. so, bring it. <laughs> you, you know where I hang out on Reddit. <laughs> Anyways, uh So um, yeah, it's
0: it's the last ride of the Inari. It's kind yeah. of the thing. And and the reason they they've applied the psychic power fixes, but mm-hmm. they haven't taken the keywords away yet, and that's what happened door from
2: what I understand. So
1: yeah, it's uh, the White Dwarf is a pretty gigantic change, and I think there are, uh, <clears throat> people are going to try to capitalize on this to be sort of the last two raw of that right. um, before they sort of have to switch armies because uh, even if they continue playing Anari, their army plays completely different now. Um, the other thing I'm interested to see is with Castellans being sort of brought well down a little bit towards normal and Anari going away, whether or not we'll see some of, sort of the fringe codexes that people are been sort of like, yeah, when this comes out, it's really going to shake up the meta, whether or not they can actually leverage those mm-hmm. advantages. Because Orcs, um, as much as their codex is very strong, I don't think they've actually been doing as well as people expected.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of options. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting to see some of the players moving away from Orcs Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the real, the, the real elite tier, like, um, you know, ETC championships, you know, country representatives. Um, yeah. Th- they, they tend to be the folks that are usually like winning LVO or winning the, the super majors. Uh, and what I've seen is a bunch of them tend to be, moving away or at least right now moving away from orcs and i I wonder if they've just kind of thrown the towel in for now and just said you know what let's let's move to something else for now let's Uh,
1: see if we can make it work i think what they might have discovered is something that uh i've sort of well anybody who's played this game long enough has realized is that if you want to reliably win games you can't play an army that's very much decided by your dice rolls because sometimes um well, the weaver face just reaches out and gives you nothing but ones. Yeah. Um, and so even though mathematically you should do X, Y, or Z, if you can play an army that hits on twos and wounds on fours and does an average of four wounds as opposed to an army that hits on fives and wounds on fours but gets an average of like five, even though mathematically the orc should do better in that instance, uh, sometimes it screws you. And... Uh, that can that type of variability is undesirable in the tournament list
0: yeah i think you i think you ran into that with uh
1: the obliterators or I even, uh, yeah, the mutilators okay. uh fairly heavily at lbo
0: yeah uh, yeah just multiple times where it, you know there's times where it'll be phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, and then there's times where it's just going to let you down yep. you know th- those variability like damage or the number of shots you get anything like yeah. that the, the which more of that you eliminate the the more reliable your list becomes yeah
1: on. which that's historically that's the reason why units like dark reapers the chain cannons on knights and the Castellan are so powerful is that they are just flat out reliable mm-hmm. uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with their like raw damage output though the Castellan is ridiculous mm-hmm. uh it's the fact that you get the same results every single time
0: yeah and you can i mean you can have it act at its full tier for a command point that kind of thing mm-hmm. where you, you you essentially have negated all of the wounds that have been done for an entire turn
1: yeah uh, if you think about it and that's for a command point that's all. that's a big thing so um something that i was actually interested in, so you're uh you have two well you have a relic on your plot of change obviously i assume you'd be taking well generally spinning the command point for your sorcerer and terminator armor to have the dark matter crystal <laughs>
0: yes. You... Okay. yes, more than more than likely he's going to be taking the dark matter crystal. Uh mm-hmm. not every event I'm going to need to do that. Uh one of the things I think I can do um is I could maybe give him the helm of the third eye and yeah. spend the three points to deep strike a couple squads as angors rather mm-hmm. than rather than really needing to um uh use dark matter crystal to, to essentially get the same thing but just turn one. And if I know turn one, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hit them.
1: Maybe that's what I do. Yeah. The one thing I was, I've been considering, actually uh, I introduced a couple of friends I play other games with to Forty K, and One of them borrowed my thousand sons army is he took dark matter crystal and didn't use it turn one. In fact, he waited until turn four yeah. to position a unit just on an objective on a weak flank late in the game. Yeah, it's
0: one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things I've become more open to just looking at it and and assessing the the matchup that I have and yeah. how I think the game is probably going to play out, what I think they're going to target, what I think they're going to try and do. I can look at the objectives they take and and um, you know, mm-hmm. if I have dark matter crystal or if I feel like, hey, I need I need mobility for this game. Yeah. I'd probably take dark matter crystal and, you know, it might be a turn one thing where I make a decision where I say, well, okay, if, if I'm not going first and I look and size the board up, then maybe I don't need it right this second. It could be the kind of thing that I can move the terminator over and, you know, use him to, you know, take an objective and maybe kill some some really light infantry that he doesn't need to really be worried about. That, yeah, It just, it just depends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the other thing you could do, I can also deep strike the sorcerer as well. Um, yeah. There's all sorts of different things you can do
2: so
0: mm-hmm. um yeah the main thing the zangor the the is really for me we'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit next week uh, because we're going to have a we're going to have a discussion uh next week probably talking a little bit about bao i know this this podcast uh this week is going to be more focused on uh you know the, the tournaments but next week we'll probably have a little chat on that and uh,
2: uh I, I don't
0: know that i'm going to take this army to BAO. I think I'm probably going to mix it up pretty good. So um, Mm -hmm. how you use those Angors really is a product of, of your army and what you're hitting with. And, and this, this list, if it needs to go all out, it can throw every threat in the book at you, you know, turn one, I have melee, I have psychic powers, I have shooting, I have, um, you know, everything you can think of that i can just throw mm-hmm. at you turn turn two for the most part turn one it might be a little bit harder to pull that off but there's stuff i can throw at you turn one yeah um, and that's kind of a that's kind of an an mo of the list is just threat,
1: threat overload so mm-hmm. which as a army concept it works very well against pretty much every army but tau yeah and uh yep. technically if anyone was ballsy enough to play it uh Fallen or Dark Angels? <laughs> yeah, I you know, want I, to see a Fallen army. It'd be hilarious. It'd be be awesome, but it'd be beautiful for the. Uh,
0: I think you uh, need. To, I think people. you need to do that for Houston, Mike.
1: I mean, I've already got the first battalion. Well, not battalion. Uh, Vanguard detachment.
0: There you go. I've got some. Uh, I've got some leftover Dark Angels from the uh, Dark Vengeance box. have to throw. Them oh away. boy! Donate, donate them. <laughs> 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 that would be awesome. And then maybe, yeah. maybe figure out how to run some uh, some elite Rubric Marines. Uh, oh yeah! Unfortunately, cannot take the Soul Rubric Cannon anymore.
2: Nope.
0: Oh man. All right. Well, so that that kind of uh, that kind of rounds out the list. Um, we'll see how it goes. I'll I, one of the things I'm going to try and do at this tournament is uh, take some audio notes and see if I can uh, maybe publish those at a later date to just kind of get you guys. Um, so an idea of like what it's like to go through the tournament, um, what you like, how the games play out. I can I can record how the games went fresh, um, and whether I play that back just in its raw form, or I you know maybe kind of talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, um, I'm kind of toying around with that idea, and uh, maybe we'll have a little a little treat for you next week. Um,
2: yeah,
0: but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what's going on. There should be a very good contingent from the Houston. Houston area out there for the mm-hmm. tournament should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, I consider going myself, but. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, life so. gets in the way every now yep. and then. So on the tournament scene, we got a little bit of a broader subject to talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. I went through this week and I tuned up the statistics for just competitive thousand suns. Um, and this gives you an idea of, how the army is doing in general across the board and what people are taking and to give you just a reset i went back this i did this earlier in the year probably around march um th- that encompassed uh kind of lvo post ovo and just kind of on an idea of what had been happening in the meta um mm-hmm. keep in mind that lvo was kind of like the first big tournament that happened with uh, chapter approved in effect The changes that came at the end of last year so it kind of gave us an idea of like okay where are things right now and where are they going um, and since then I've been able to go back through and collect all the data for the tournaments that have happened since March so we've had April we've had a good chunk of May um, there's been things like Adepticon in there uh, a good significant sampling of stuff happening mm-hmm. and we, we start to get an idea of like what's happening with Thousand Suns trend-wise. So we've had some movement from what it was to what it is now. So uh, before we publish these, uh, what I I thought we'd do is just kind of talk through these a little bit, Mike, and kind of get to the bottom of what we're seeing here. So yeah, um, just raw specifics on the dates here. Uh, I have got events covered all the way up to the 4th of May. And the only events that I, I counted towards this were events where there were Uh, 30 or more players that in attendance or in the in the bcp uh, player app Uh, so our largest event was lvo obviously that had 600 um, that were there but i keep track of things like what place that list got what did they take in that list um, how many wins did they get how many losses how many points did they score overall Uh, and most of these being itc events i can track those points Relatively reliably, and get a get a really good apples to apples comparison of of what's happening. So, just looking at things from the macro point of view, it's a little bit unfortunate. Um, they're not good. Uh, we've gone from, the, you know, if, if we col- if we look at the collection of points, the army has gone down in win percentage. Um, And that is win percentage at the, like how many games they're winning at tournaments. Uh, So it's a very large sampling there, uh, Mm -hmm. considering that each tournament that one of these lists went to uh, should have been about five matches that they played. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when we came out of LVO or so, we were probably above 50%. The army is now starting to drop below the 50% mark. That is where our trend is headed.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting looking at these numbers here because, so obviously the tournament percent is down from about a little over 60%, no, a little under 60% down to just below 50 Right. And obviously the points per tournament uh, matches that trend. Yep. But the tournament placing is actually going up. Uh,
0: That is, sorry, that's the placing, that's the top percentage. So um, you need a lower number there. Oh so, yeah. So it go, that marker going up is bad. Mm, that, and what that means is let's say I finished um let's let's look at the data here. I can go and look at Matt Ali. He finished first out of 122 people at Dallas. That means he was in the top 0.8%. Gotcha. So he's definitely ha- helping that number, but you want that number to be at the very, you know,
1: lower very end. very bottom.
0: Exactly. So it just gives you a gives you like a percentage of placing with Mm -hmm. the sizes that are there. Just an additional data point that's there. But yeah. Yeah. Now the one thing that's interesting here, when you go to about LVO and you look at about where the points were that were being scored, here's here's the major things we can see. Um there are big events that happen, and what we get is kind of like this big vertical uh spike or big vertical plot. The LVO was one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh then on March 1st, there was another big event, and looking at that, or sorry, March 2nd, and there were actually a few big events uh, where there were, there were some people. There was Score Search, there was uh, Dice Hammer, Cadbash, um, Games of Westeros, and then LWG. Those were all just um, relatively big ITC events where they had 60. They were all, actually, they were all except for maybe one or two majors, and a major is basically you have to have, I think, 58 people or right around the 60-person mark. Uh, to have that count. So those are actually really, really good samplings. And what we see happen is on those days, we see these, these, almost these tower of dots that happen. And you Mm -hmm. can think of it almost like what we're seeing is it's a stairway down where LVO, it looked like everybody was scoring somewhere between... Oh, on the upper, on the bottom end of uh, of about a hundred points, to the upper, the upper end of about a hundred points or so, where if there was one person, I think that was Justin Curtis, that was up over two hundred points. Yeah. Now, this can be a little bit misleading because LVO had six rounds versus five, so you have an extra round of points that are in there, so mm-hmm. that can skew the data a little bit. But what we see is then Adepticon comes in here. Um, a little bit later on in the data, the Depticon fell in at the end of March, and so then towards the you know end, almost in the April timeframe, we see another vertical you know big vertical plot of dots on here, and it's now further down than what we saw at the beginning of March. Um, this is um, not official FAQ two. I don't think that is in effect at that point. So this no. pre FAQ changes. Um, But it is bolter discipline, it is chapter approved. So what I think we're seeing here is that we're seeing the downtrend at the moment uh, from Thousand Suns in terms of a competitive edge over a lot of the other armies. They look like they're not scoring quite as high. Uh, The other thing that could be interesting here is right around that time in March, mid-March, is when ITC dropped the faction changes. Yeah. And I have a feeling, uh, probably over the next three or four months, as we let more data kind of, you know, roll in, I'll have to come back and update this again. But I think one of the things we're going to see is this will probably continue to go down a little bit. And and mm-hmm. I think what it's, I think why is because it's probably going to become much more representative of armies that are pure. Uh, because yeah. in order to classify as Thousand Sons now in ITC, you have to remember that you have to be 100% I, Thousand Sons. You can't have any detachments of anything else. Um, so it, I think on one hand, it's going to be good because it's going to be, it's going to be giving us a much clearer picture of where the army stands Mm
2: -hmm. within
0: reality rather than a soup army, but it's also going to give us an idea of, okay, you know, (laughs) the, the bad side of that is, yeah, it's the reality that the army as a whole on its own is maybe not quite as strong as it's getting the, um, getting the, the notoriety for. Yeah. So if we, go to, uh, if we go through some of the units in here, um, we're seeing a slow decrease in the use of Demon Princes. I, I don't know that that trend is really anything to, to sniff at. We are seeing an uptick in Terminator Sorcerers. Uh, that is being used a lot more. And Exalted Sorcerers. And Exalted Sorcerers, yep. Both of them are being used a bit more.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, the big thing in this whole thing are obviously the rubric marines. And if you're a listener from Reddit, you will obviously know that my teaser for this podcast that I dropped earlier this week had a picture of the rubric uh, dot plot. And it is very, very clear how many rubric marines are being taken. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the trend is up in a big way. A lot of people are taking them. Um, And it's not just Matthew Ali. Uh, There's outliers in there from... Uh, it looks like March and LVO, where there were there were lists that had over 25 Rubric Marines in them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, the thing to consider when you're looking at these stats is the dots are arranged. Um, when I was saying there's vertical vertical pillars of dots. Uh, they are arranged based on the count of the model in the list. So when you're looking at cultists, rubric marines, and Zangors, uh, those dots that are higher, they're closer to 75, 100, for instance, with Zangors. Um, that means that somebody took 75 or you know, 90 Zangors. I, I went through the lists and I actually did the did the work of you know, tallying up how many of each you know troop choice or elite choice and everything across the board that they took. Yeah. um zangors right now are probably the widest heavily used uh troop choice probably mm-hmm. no big surprise there cultists we have splatterings of them uh but their their usage is definitely waning right now
1: mm. looks like the average for cultists currently is about 10 or so. yeah my guess is it's it's become
0: yeah and if you look at the if you look at the uh, the dot plots on there, a lot of them are below the twenty five mark, which tells me that a lot of people what they're doing is just taking two, at, at most two squads of them, um, but maybe yeah. just one, and then they've got maybe one other big troop choice like a Zangor or Rubric Marine or something. Yeah. They take them to to meet that battalion, and that's um, kind of what we
1: expect. Yeah, though even Zangors are actually seeing a bit of a downturn. It's not very pronounced, but it is noticeable. Yeah, which obviously with the upswing of Rubric Marines makes sense.
0: Yep. That's definitely true. You got to make room for him somewhere, right? Yep. Get those goat
1: boys out of here. (laughs)
0: Uh, We do see an uptick in occult Terminators. Um, Yeah. Getting into our elite choices here. Uh, The Zangor Shaman. um, I think the the interesting thing is we have about a, if if we let the data continue playing out, even though it's showing kind of a downward trend with it, he's kind of getting taken on a regular basis here. Um, Usually one, is the is the count you see that's the very prominent one uh and then from there you either see two or three but most people are taking one
1: yeah it looks like about half of people at tournaments are taking one zengor shaman probably the same people that are taking lots of zengors and zengor enlightened
0: yeah and those are heavily heavily required if you're going to run them mm-hmm. yeah um the scarab cult terminators again that is a pr- Sorry, not a surprise because the bolter discipline rule gives them very efficient output of uh, firepower, but the yeah. um, i I think it, it, what's really going to be interesting with these guys is to see what happens because if you look at the data that's here, we see an uptick of them around march um, around you know the the very beginning of march um, second second of March in there with that with that big series of tournaments, probably a couple of them that showed up there for adepticon but other than that, I think I think what we're going to see is we had a little spike of them. People tried them out, saw them with the Bolter Discipline rule, and then just kind of decided, eh, they're not that good. And That kind of echoes what I've heard from other yeah. people who have run them. Um, so uh, fast attacks, not our biggest uh, items to select from. Now, Zangor and Lightened are on the uptick. Um, and with Castellans now being gone, uh, they might see a little bit more use, although kind of feel like it's not warranted because if we see more crusaders in place of those castellans that's probably worse for the enlightened right. um and they, they they their issue has always been that they just they die so quick i
1: mean you just can't can't keep them alive yeah the, the thing that you're looking here is that the not many people are taking zengor enlightened but the people who are take a ton of them yeah, you, um, you're which either matches my or... expectation.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we come to the worst, uh, the worst option of our, <laughs> project,
2: which is the
0: heavy support section. Uh, dare I say, the dumpster fire right now of the Thousand Suns Codex is the yeah. heavy section.
1: Um, not pretty.
0: No, it's not pretty. Uh, predators. Th- there have been a few predators showing up you know, ones, twos, some people took three of them trying Mm -hmm. to get that kill shot. It makes sense. Uh, But we literally in, in the span of March, we had two lists, uh, two, three, four lists total that had a predator in it. And there were two lists that had one and then there was one list that had three and then another one that had two. So it's kind of a mixed feeling. It makes a lot of sense to me because you look at the other side of the, you know, the pond and forge world, and you've got those contempt of Dreadnoughts, and mm-hmm. pretty much get the better shooting, uh 5-up invulnerable save, you lose a couple wounds, but who cares? You've got that 5-up invulnerable save, it'll buy its way back.
2: And,
0: and that 2-up save. And the 2 uh sorry, 2-up ballistic skill. It does not have a 2-up save. Really? I yeah, be. they have a 3-up save mm. and a, they are T7. Yeah. But, in any case, they're they're another what 10 15 points cheaper Mm -hmm. than a predator relatively equipped so um nothing to really say on forge fiends vindicators or land raiders those things suck uh (laughs) mauler fiends kind of surprised me because they basically they don't suck but they actually don't have quite as good a place as like the mutilith which yeah you do see lists taking mutilith. Uh, There was probably as equal a number of lists that took a mutilith as there were that took predators. Mm -hmm. So um, in terms of other stuff, here is a stat that is surprising. There is a very large uptick in the use of Magnus. Very large uptick. Um, We see basically from about the March, uh, sorry, the late, the late April timeframe going through getting into May that the, he is showing up a lot more lists and not just showing up in them. He's in a lot of the lists that are doing very well. Um, just kind of a, you know, I guess thousand sons version of the Castellan. Um, you yeah. know, you still are, you're subject to not going first and having him blown off the table. There's still not much we can do about that. Unfortunately uh, until games workshop decides to, help us out there um our friend the hell turkey
1: non-existent scene
0: play now nope uh the rhino again (laughs) actually the same thing not seeing it very much even with the uptick in rubric marines there's only a couple lists bringing them with the rubric it's kind of like why do i need it
2: right yeah
0: so that rounds out our trip through the data um mike any other thoughts on that (coughs)
1: I mean I'm, the uh changes in troops I'm not overly surprised with. Uh we the ch- cultists. obviously people are not gonna be taking those as much anymore with all like the consecutive nerfs that cultists have gotten them the last year. Uh Zengors are still a solid choice. That I and with everything I've been hearing, in the changes to rubrics, obviously not really surprising. <sighs> The uh, only one I I really would say I'm surprised about is the fact that Magnus is seeing play a Mm. little little more. Though I think that with the uh, Castellan getting hit with the nerf and the really the knights in general have been getting like sort of nickeled and dimed in terms of their efficacy over the last six months, uh, that Magnus is actually a little more viable now. Um, and not as many armies are bringing enough, well, long range turn one, just delete to m- mean that he won't necessarily survive even if you don't go first. And I think that's sort of a it here. So, um, He's kind of one of those
0: gambles you make, right? You, you yeah. say, look, the upside's there. If I lose him, I lose him." But yeah. I'd rather, I mean, what other options do I really have if I'm playing mm-hmm. thousand suns from like a pure standpoint? He's, Arguably one of the top tier units in the game, uh, Mm -hmm. just from what he can do, even for his 400 points. Yeah. You know, it's hard to pass him up if you're going to play,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. Thousand Suns. But but, um, I think that Thousand Suns are going to sort of suffer stats wise for the next few months until things sort of level out. Um, But with the changes to ITC, I mean, even your list is just Zinch as opposed to Mono Thousand Suns. I I think that the people who are trying to sort of win the whole thing are going to, well, not care. And so they'll wind up either being a sort of a super faction or a sub faction like Thienge or, um, well, people that are just sort of the fluffier players or really dedicated will wind up sort of, I I imagine just below the 50% mark, sort of 45 is what I'm thinking it'll settle out at.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have. I mean, looking at the Thousand Suns leaderboard in ITC, you currently have, uh, I believe, Matthew Ali and Jim Vessel uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that are that are way up there. Um, and you look at the fact that they, you know, Matthew's won a GT already. And from a point standpoint, you count your best four events, I believe, for your faction. Yeah, and that ends up just winning one big event or one major like that puts a lot of pressure on everybody else i mean that that's going to be a hard thing to top and you know mm-hmm. knowing that he's going to alamo now with the, the same list it's uh you know that's he's definitely making a big run to uh to win that thousand suns trophy this year so mm-hmm. um obviously lvo will will play a little bit into that and that counts towards your 20 points at the end and it it will have a big deal because of how they change the point structure and how many points you'll get like if you if you place top one hundred at all v o that's that's gonna get you a lot of points so it might mm-hmm. not take you out of it falling behind but um it is kind of cool to see that at least it gives you some some breathing room there to to compete against some other folks that that are sticking with an army that are you know going a hundred percent and just you know even if it's an uphill battle like with gray knights or something like that so yeah. So, uh, we have had some news elsewhere. Uh, I heard we're going to get some Chaos Knights. Yes, there was a whole video on it and everything. Yeah, and there's uh, a codex. And now we've learned there's a new codex coming mm-hmm. for them, uh, which is fascinating. Um, there's also been some rumors that Slaanesh has got more stuff coming, uh, potentially like Emperor's Children. Uh, There's a lot of stuff, a lot of chatter right now. I'm sure you've read people Mm -hmm. thinking Lionel Johnson's coming. There's now talk of possibly Lehman Russ coming back. Um, There's lots of really good theories out there. What's your take?
1: Well, um, I'm looking forward to uh, the Chaos Knights finally getting their own codex. Uh, It will patch a discrepancy between the two different knight types, but I'm thinking that based off of what everything we're hearing, if they do put Johnson out, they'll probably put Fulgrim out fairly soon afterwards given the current Slamesh kick. Um, That way, effectively, they'll alternate who gets a Primark. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Lionel Johnson, though, because he's sort of a weird Primark to begin with. He's not super loyal to the Emperor. He's doesn't like chaos either and i'm sort of curious to see what they're going to do with him
0: yeah kind of how does how does the whole deal with what you know gilliman has been doing play out Mm -hmm. with him like does he you know freak out and get pissed off or does he you know now and then you have the curveball that's in there with luther right like yeah i i kind of look at like well if if gw can patch magnus and aramon up like they did I feel like maybe they could do the same with Lutheran. Uh,
1: So the difference there, I think, is that um, a difference of scale, I don't think, it's as much as Aramon like messed up and destroyed the Legion. Aramon did nothing wrong. No, Magnus did nothing wrong. Aramon does plenty (laughs) of things wrong. He's just ballsy enough to sort of make up for it. He's great. But, um, Uh, It was Luther. He flat out betrayed his Primarch. Like there were no, like he had no good intentions there beyond, screw you. I found you in the woods. In the woods, I can put you back in there. And
0: (laughs) there would never be this moment where he's like, you know what, you were right. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I don't. I just do not see that happening.
0: (laughs) Well, one can, one can hope, right? Do you think, <laughs> do you think they're going to have like a uh, civil war or that kind of uh, possibility there?
1: That would be very cool is if they did do sort of a civil war between the uh, Dark Angels and sort of the rest of the Imperium. Gilliman and um, words, what's his name? Lionel Johnson never got along very well in the first what? place. Mostly because, well, Gilliman's sort of sickeningly perfect at all the administrative stuff. <laughs> Whereas Lionel Johnson, he's a fantastic military commander. However, he's not good with people. Right. And sort of that, that could that never really sat well between the two of them because Johnson was constantly being compared to Gilliman.
0: I think the great thing is is it's kind of like they put all of the Primarchs kind of on the sidelines. And yeah. they brought a couple back. And it's like they've they've kind of been like okay well what if we throw this guy in and it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of like all right well you look at this line of primarchs sitting there like fulgrim angron Mm -hmm. perturabo you know all these guys on the chaos side that are just kind of sitting there they have so many options they can do with this yeah you know like fulgrim comes back and bobby g gets a little nervous i would imagine
1: Oh, yeah. No, I fully expect that is going to make sort of a straight arrow straight for Bobby G. (laughs) And I imagine what's going to happen is that Fulgrim's going to get Gilliman back just sort of on the back foot and just losing again. And that might be when um, Johnson sort of dives into the rescue and they patch things up.
0: Lehman Rush shows up. They love that. At the last minute. Kind (laughs) Kind
1: of writing a GW, you
0: know, like magnus was totally kicking the crap out of bobby g and
1: at the last minute you know, oh yeah I, I mean then there was the time that mortarian was kicking the crap out of bobby g and then an, an imperial saint showed up and everything got better yeah
0: i think i'm just more annoyed at that continuous rebooting of that story of just at the last minute everything comes back and it's kind of like oh come on well, well against
1: magnus it was kind of an ass pull against mortarian he totally had it coming yeah. Because Mortarion decided to sit back and do the, you know, the classic villain gloat. He's like, yes, and I defeated you, and will tell you my entire plan. Yes. and <laughs> Whereas the like, guild is just like, come on, just kill me. Come, kill me. Yeah. Come on, d- do it. And it just never happened.
0: Yeah. Although, <laughs> you know, getting into the Thousand Sun stuff, so we know that we know that um, Aramon needs to get to Kamara. So if there's if we're thinking about that next line of stuff coming, um he's looking for the cure right mm. yeah
1: he's looking for the cure because now that he's seen that the uh Yvrain was able to cure it he wants to track down some eldar to figure out how she does it but uh, you know if armon wants to go to Comor, he just needs to hook up with his best buddy lucius <laughs> and lucius knows exactly where the hell that is because he's been there a couple times
0: <laughs> they've had such fun <laughs> travels together <laughs> They get the band, then they just call Kairos back up. Like, hey, we're getting the band back together. Come on!
1: <laughs> oh man, that'd be perfect.
0: <laughs> Show up on camera. All right, what'd we miss? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, it it makes you think, like, what what they're gonna do with Russ? Because apparently he's. They said in the Wrath of Magnus that apparently the Wolf Time is here, right? Yeah. Uh, or the the words from Grimdar, or that he heard something saying that the.
1: Yeah, the wolf time has come. You know, I hope that they put out this this giant mutated wolf. It's like, here you go, guys. Here's Rush. <laughs> it's like, yes. Mutilith wolf beast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just start a whole new codex and just put Lehman Russ with a bunch of wolves. And all it is is like Lehman Russ and Wolfen. And that's it. And they can summon. All right. Let's move on to another topic. Uh, so in other stuff that's coming out, um, they've got this contrast paint. I think we're going to get some Thousand Suns colors on there, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, I think I saw some in the video.
0: Yeah. So that would that would definitely help us out a lot. Although I think we still have the conundrum of the fact that in, a, in an army that is two-tone, like Thousand Suns, they're primarily two-tone, uh, mm-hmm. it's still going to be as, as annoying as it always is to like, what comes first, gold
1: or Thousand Suns blue. So with the current sort of... So assuming that the paints work the way I think they do, the best way to do your Thousand Suns and the new colors released would be to prime them gold and then apply the one thick coat of your Thousand Suns blue.
0: And you, well, that's the interesting thing, though. If you're going to do the one thick coat, you would have to prime the model white, because that's what a lot of these are based on the, mm. the method of priming white and then coating it. So it's almost like if you're going to go the contrast route. If I uh, maybe I'm wrong here, and you can correct me, but I have to prime my models white, then contrast with the the blue, and or do blue and then trim in gold or something like that, mm. um, where I can't. I can't pick and choose like layer over. It's not like layer painting like we do with the gold and the blue and everything, which I agree. I think the speed method of gold filling in blue from my own experience mm-hmm. is definitely the way to go with those rubric
1: marines. Yeah. I of course have to do it the other way because I'm a traditionalist.
0: <laughs> that are um, you just
1: asking for pain? I mean I do feel that I'm sort of a masochist sometimes, considering yeah. some of the conversions I know I'm doing. Yeah, hey, you're, you're Space Marines or something. Your Chaos Space Marines. Yeah, and then there's, uh, there are a couple other projects that I'm very proud of that I've been meaning to uh, follow up on, like my Sisters of Battle Knights. Really well, beautiful. speaking of
0: knights, there's some. They debuted some new Forge World stuff. Uh, they did. It they had cool they the new armature armor that they have or like the armor upgrade kits that they have mm-hmm. for them. they actually do look really cool yeah so
2: hmm.
0: i'm not sure that they fit very well in a thousand sun's army unless you're taking like a, a crusader or a renegade double gatling cannon knight and you want to fill out that super heavy detachment i guess that kind of works you take a couple armorers, but what's going to be interesting is um, a lot of them actually look like they have new guns. Uh, they have yes. different weapons on them. So, what options we get with that is going to be huge. And how do these play into like the Chaos Codex or Chaos Knight Codex when it comes out? And you know, what stratagems are they going to get access to? Are they going to get the same treatment as like Act at Full for One? Can they deep strike knights? You know, that kind of thing. That would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I expect that they'll get. The same. Effectively, if the Imperium gets a version of it. The Chaos will also get a version of it, because of the way the Knights sort of work and fluff. Sure. Unlike a lot of the new new toys that other well, the Imperials get that the Chaos doesn't. Knights have existed since before the Horus Heresy, and so there's no reason why they wouldn't keep that. Well, wouldn't let people have it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that could uh, that could be the th- the case. Um. Aside from that, they had a few other things from Warhammer Fest that uh, came out. They got they got some new admec tanks that look like you know pontoon boats from
1: D-Day. I do love the uh, pontoon boats. Uh, I'm gonna have to get me a set of those, of course, because I uh, hate money. And then they
0: got this like <laughs> weird Primaris version of the or a different version of the uh, repulsor that now is like a repulsor with a gun on it like a bigger gun
1: yeah it's a tank destroyer version of the repulsor just that's pretty cool so many shades of
0: uh oh what's that movie where they're designing the um the troop transport they're just like let's throw a sticker on there that says it's a troop transport so it doesn't get shot <laughs> we'll see i have a uh i have a new project that's uh going to be going underway here in june i'm going to take a little bit of a uh side gander off of the chaos bandwagon for a little bit i'll I'll be still playing my thousand sons but you know take a little bit of a gander into another army for a little bit just to kind of keep things fresh keep myself from hating life because i don't play a different army so
2: yeah or enjoying
0: the game you gotta you gotta enjoy the universe that you got here how many different options you have immerse
1: yourself yep friday is the spice of life Remember change is very important.
0: <laughs> well, I I know another thing that's very important.
1: Oh yeah. Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus did nothing wrong. Ariman did though. Just remember that. No he didn't. He did. He did. We'll have to disagree to
0: disagree. Until next time. You betcha.